After 13 years in business and many successes and failures to learn from, we have come together to create the BizHacker Show. Join us on our newest venture as we bootstrap our way to millions, sharing our biz hacks along the way. Welcome to the BizHacker Show. I'm your lead biz hacker, Chris Lee. So you're probably wondering, why should I continue listening or why should I subscribe? And I just want to give you the purpose of this podcast. Basically, the purpose of this podcast is to follow us as we create our biggest venture. So right now, we're in the middle of launching a solar company. We've been in business for the last five months. During those five months, we've been able to grow it from a half million dollars of revenue a month all the way to fast forward to today where we're about to close out the month at $3 million. And so what we've been able to do is apply business hacks that we've learned over the years through high-level leadership in various different companies. And so we want to invite you along the journey, the journey that we're going to take together in building this business. And this isn't just something that we're going to talk about what has happened or what will happen, but actually what is currently happening. We're going to invite you along into some of our meetings, our successes, our failures, the different things that we're trying to accomplish, our goals that we're putting together. So it's going to be a pretty fun podcast. So saddle up and let's get going. First of all, I just wanted to give you a little background on who I am and why the heck you should even listen to us or continue to subscribe to our channel. So who am I? So my name is Chris Lee. I was born and raised in the state of Washington. I'm a very conservative person, very religious, a God-fearing man. I'm a gun owner, family man, and I'm an absolutely crazy entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurship with all my heart. I, Ever since I got into the real world, I had the opportunity to be a part of business. And so telling you a little bit about myself. So I grew up in a, I wouldn't say poor, but we definitely didn't have a ton of money. I had, there were seven siblings in my home and my mom and dad. And my dad was a school teacher and did an incredible job raising us. Not only was he a school teacher, but he was a football coach, a wrestling coach, a softball coach. He did everything he could to provide for our family. And then my mom stayed home, which I'm forever grateful because her example to me and the example of my father has, has shaped me into who I am. But because of that, I was required from a very young age to learn how to make money. Kind of the rule in our house was after the age of 12, we had to provide everything for ourselves besides underwear and food on the table. So if we wanted clothes, if we wanted to go out and do some fun activity, go on a date or whatnot, that money was coming from our pocket. So I got my first job when I was nine years old as a paper boy and learned work ethic from a young age. Started out, was making a dollar a day. My, my older sister was the paper route manager, and so she was using me as slave labor. It was kind of funny. But anyways, that was my initial job, and it taught me a lot of hard work. I was working 365 days a year, getting up at 5.30, 6 o'clock every single day without fail. The only time we ever got a break from that was when we went on like a summer family vacation, and we found a someone to take over the route for a week or so. Those were really the only breaks that I got. And so that actually continued on through high school. When I was in high school, I became the route manager where I actually delivered to all the different paper boys throughout the town. And with that, I learned a lot. I had to get up every morning at four o'clock with my younger brother. And my younger brother made big time sacrifices for me. 
Each one of us, we'd take home $100 a month, and then we'd put $400 away into what we would call our mission funds. Now, I grew up as a devout, and I'm currently a devout member of the Mormon faith. And so we put money away to save up for our missions. As members of our church, we were expected to pay for our own ways on our missions when we were 19 years old. And I knew from a young age that was something that I wanted to go and do. And so I set the goal to go and accomplish that. And the only way that I was going to be able to do that was working as hard as I possibly could. Now, when I was younger, I just didn't work as smart as I possibly could. There was lots of opportunities. The internet was developing around me. I still remember in fourth and fifth grade getting on the computer for the first time checking out what Yahoo was or different search engines. But to me, it was just really a place to go and go to chat rooms. There, there wasn't a whole lot more outside of that. And so I didn't fully take advantage of the internet opportunities out there. But I worked hard. And growing up in a farming community, I had the opportunity to go out, drive tractor, Ray K, do all the different fun stuff that there was. And it taught me a lot. But it wasn't until I became a missionary at the age of 19 that I really started to learn how to work smarter. Now, as missionaries of our church, we didn't get paid a dime to be out there. We would be out there for two years, but we knew what it was like to bring value and to be effective with our time. And so it was on my mission where I first started learning hacks on how to be super uber efficient with my time. After that, after my mission, I came home and I married my high school sweetheart. Andrea and I had been together since we were sophomores in high school. We went through a little bit of a rough patch right before I left on my mission, but she stuck it out and decided to come and marry me. We were married two and a half months after my mission, and six months later we found out we were pregnant with my little girl, Addison. Fast forward 13 years, now we have four beautiful children with a fifth on the way, super excited about that. I have an 11-year-old girl, 9-year-old boy, 6-year-old girl, and 4-year-old boy. And we're expecting a boy here in a couple months. So anyways, as far as my background, I started out in the door-to-door industry when I first came home off my mission because naturally it was a, a thing to go into having spent two years knocking doors. And so as a young man, I decided to go and own my business my third year into being in the business world. And that's where I found failure. I decided to launch my first business in 2008. This is called Five Diamond Protection. I chose to go into business with two other partners who I felt like were super trustworthy and people that I could go and grow with. And so we decided to go full bore into it. The problem was we made a lot of mistakes. We tried cheating our way through the system. We tried taking shortcuts rather than hacks. Hacks are things that work. Shortcuts are just trying to cheat and game the system. And so we tried cheating our way through the system. We went and we raised money. I got a million dollars from my father-in-law, $200,000 from my, my dad. And if you remember, he was a school teacher. So $200,000 is quite a bit of money. And we decided to launch this business. And we went into business for all the wrong reasons. We were trying to compete against our former employer. We were trying to be the cheapest at the lowest price. I mean, there was there was all different kinds of mistakes that we made in those first couple of years and in going into business. It was owning an alarm company. So like I said, the name of the company was Five Diamond Protection. We wanted to go nationwide. We wanted to get big right from the get-go. And so what we did was we went and signed a lease on this huge space. We built it out. We 
pay for all the upgrades, beautiful furniture, just all the stupid things that you can make as a 24-year-old, all the all the craziest mistakes that you can make. Now, the economy wasn't helping us out. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and blame it on the economy, but I will say that it did play into an effect. So what ended up happening was 2008, we launched this business. We're selling contracts to a company called Security Networks. And they'll buy it for a certain amount, and they're backed by banks and everything like that. And so we go out in our first summer, because we do what's called summer sales, where we have a sales season of only four or five months. We recruit a bunch of college students. It's what I had done in the past. I That's what I had experience in. I had been top of my field in doing it. So that was the kind of business that, that I was trying to launch with the door-to-door program. And so to get into it a little bit, we came to a point where at the end of the year, we were basically at break even and we were going into the off season and we needed cash flow to keep things alive. And so we decided to launch a year round program. And when we decided to launch that year round program, it was the end of 2009. And this is when banks were starting to fail. And so security networks comes to us and they say, Hey, we can no longer buy more than 100 alarm contracts a month. And this was absolutely devastating to us because at this point in our business, in order just to keep our doors open, we needed 120 alarm contracts to be bought per month to pay our bills. This was to pay our leases, pay our employees, to pay everything, our equipment bill, whatever it was. That's what we had to have. And so they come and they say, no, we can do this. And and then we had an agreement where we could not go and sell contracts to any other company in the same markets that we resided. And so luckily for us, there was a few markets that security networks did not buy contracts in. And so we decided to do a little workaround and we uh, developed a relationship with Monotronics in those states. And so me and my partners always had the plan that, hey, if things hit, if you know crap hits the fan, that we would go out and run our own teams and make sure that we have enough revenue to keep the business afloat and to ultimately turn a profit. So that's exactly what I decided to do. So at the at the moment, I was living in Utah, and I decided to move back to my hometown in Washington State, back to the Tri-Cities. I convinced my now business partner, Daryl Kelly, to do it with me. He wasn't a business partner at the time. In fact, he had been a part of the pest control industry, which we had been involved with a few years prior. And he really didn't know anything about alarms. But I convinced him. I said, Daryl, I need your help. Come do this with me. And so we both decided to move our families back up to the Tri-Cities where he's originally from. Daryl and I are both kind of related. His oldest brother is married to my oldest sister. And it's crazy. Between the two, they have 10 kids. Yeah, believe it or not. So we decided to move back up to the Tri-Cities. And at the same time, my other two business partners who were supposed to be moving into other markets and generating revenue, they decided against it. So I had one business partner that just completely stopped showing up to work telling us promises of he had big things going, he was going to save the company, he had all these investments, these inventions that he was working on, all kinds of crazy things. I just chose not to believe him and just to not let my fate be in anybody else's hands but put it in my own. So I moved my family. My other business partner, he decided to stay in Utah, try to hold the fort down, keep the other three or four offices alive in the company. So we move up. And Daryl and I begin working, and we're working our butts off. We put together a team, and we ourselves go out and we start knocking door to door. 
Now, at this point of our business, we, like I said, we're just struggling to get the bills paid. And the majority of our bills are coming out of Utah and from the, uh, the rest of the organization. And so Daryl and I are just absolutely killing it up in Washington. We're selling tons of accounts, installing tons of accounts. And every single week, we're sending thirty dollars to $40,000 down to Utah just to keep the lights on, to keep my credit afloat, to keep my business partner's credit afloat. And by the end of that summer, Daryl and I look at what we have made. And we basically were just paying ourselves enough to pay our own bills and then sending the rest down to the, the rest of the organization. And so at that point, we had a decision to make. We could either float these bums that I call partners or we could shut the business down and Daryl and I could go and launch our own business. And this was a really difficult decision for me because at this point, I'm absolutely broke. I have zero dollars in my bank account. And I have everything riding on my credit. I've never been late on a payment. Never been late on my mortgage down in Utah that I'm now renting out. Never been late on any car payments, on credit card payments, on anything. And I'm just struggling with what do I do? Financially, it doesn't make sense to continue to do this. Like I, I can't keep, continue to put Daryl through this. But at the same time, I'm trying to keep other people's credit afloat. I'm trying to continue to provide these jobs for all of my different employees throughout the nation. And there's a lot of people counting on me. And it was just the biggest battle and the biggest struggle that I've ever been through. And the decision finally came to me that we needed to shut down. I had to personally file bankruptcy in order to make it happen. And I had to go and have very difficult conversations with both my dad and my father-in-law, who I now owed over a million dollars to. And as you can imagine, this wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. And so I made that decision and I had to suffer the repercussions. I had to suffer the backlash that was going to come from my employees. And there were people that hated me, absolutely hated me. They thought I was the most horrible person in the world that I was doing it just to be selfish. In reality, I was trying to take care of those that were producing up in Washington State and deserved to have more, deserved to be rewarded for their success. Instead, we were floating in an organization that was failing. And the banks weren't helping at all. And my partners were absolutely just freeloading. In fact, one of my business partners sits in prison today because that, that same business partner that stopped showing up to work, believe it or not, he made poorer and poorer decisions. He kept telling these bigger and bigger stories of what he had going on and he started raising money from person after person after person until he got indicted on a Ponzi scheme. Millions, multi, multi, multi millions. And I just felt sick to myself that I was ever associated with this person. And so it really came down to having to go and confront this situation. And when I made that decision, I knew that I was going to have to start completely over. And for me, that was really hard. I had been successful in almost anything that I had put my mind to up until this point in my life. I had accomplished several different goals. Going on a mission, marrying the woman of my dreams, becoming a state champion in football when I was in high school, being a top successful sales rep, launching a company at a young age, buying a home at age 23, being fully invested into different investments. 
there was a lot of different things that went into it. In fact, I had to liquidate different investments at times to float this company. There was actually one time during the time of Five Diamond when it came down to I had to get people paid. I had to get people what we call what's called a back-end check. It's when somebody gets paid at the end of a sales season for the production that they had. And the company didn't have the money to do it. And so the only choice that I had was I had a credit card that had $30,000 available. I went to my friend, Curtis Bugsley, and I said, Curtis, dude, I need your help. I know you can process credit cards. Is there any way you can just max this credit card out and charge me whatever the processing fee is so that I can get my guys paid? That was tough for me. Like These are the sacrifices that I was put through to try to keep things afloat, and I just could not do it anymore. And some of you may think I'm a coward for filing bankruptcy and think I'm an absolutely piece of crap. And I'd have to agree. I I was probably a piece of crap. I made some mistakes. But this is the only choice that I had. So I decided to file bankruptcy and it took about three or four months until it was January or February of 2011. I was able to finally file it in the courts. And it was April later in that year that I went before a judge and it was one of the most humiliating times of my life. I had to walk up with a file to a judge, put it on his table, and say, yes, this is true. I literally have less than $1,000 in my bank account. Zero assets. I have one home that I'm able to reaffirm and, and continue to pay. I have a car that I'm able to reaffirm and continue to pay, even though I have basically zero equity in those things. But I will continue to pay them because I will do whatever I possibly can. And it was humiliating. I'm sitting in this room full of a lot of other people that are going through bankruptcy. And there's people going through bankruptcy for $15,000, $50,000, dollars And I'm sitting there filing bankruptcy for $2.2 million. I owed $400,000 to an equipment company. I had $600,000 that I owed on a lease. A million dollars to my father-in-law, $200,000 to my dad, and various other different things. $130,000 to American Express. Needless to say, they don't like me anymore. But, but this was the situation. But I was eternally grateful that I had the opportunity to start over, to learn. The beauty of this whole experience is that I had learned what it took to run a successful alarm company. Just under my current position, I could not do it. It was absolutely impossible. I was under so much weight, so many poor decisions that I had made that I had to start over on a clean slate. Luckily, the U.S. government gave me that opportunity by allowing me to file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And so throughout this time, Daryl launched an alarm company in which I became partners with. So it was actually November of 2010 when I had first decided to file bankruptcy, Daryl launched the company. And when we launched the company... We were bootstrapping from zero, where previously we had tried to cheat our way to success by raising money and getting the big bling and doing everything. We knew with K2K Alarm that we had to do everything from zero dollars. And how were we going to do it? And so we hired on the right talent, but more importantly, we went to work. We knew that ultimately the goal was to not work in the business, but on the business. But initially we had to put in that time. And that meant trudging through the snow, going door to door that winter, and putting food on the table for our families. And that was a struggle. I tell you, man, that 
some of the greatest moments, the greatest memories of my life are looking back to that time when I had zero dollars in my bank account and Daryl and I are out there knocking on doors. And just sacrificing and taking what we had learned. And we put one foot in front of the other and we learned and we grew, but we knew what we needed to do to be successful. And like I said, we brought on, as we slowly brought on good quality talent until ultimately we were able to go to the marketplace, raise a $600,000 fund and in-house our own accounts. And in-house, he means that we own those accounts. We no longer needed to sell them off as a contract, but that we owned the account. We were able to collect that monthly residual. And we built that up. I know it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but we built it up where both of us were making about $7,000 a month. And we were able to pay for our full operations and basically just able to ride that for a while. And that's when I made the decision. I wanted out of the door-to-door industry, the alarm industry. And so I decided to get into internet marketing. And it was when I read my first book that got me inspired on internet marketing. Of course, you guys all know Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek. I read that book cover to cover in like a week flat. I was, I was smoking through it. I loved everything about it, like the how-tos, the step-by-steps to the successes. And I was like, man, this is it. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And I decided to get into internet marketing and open up a search engine and optimization firm. And using the hacks that I learned from Tim Ferriss, I was able to build a business in two months where I created $6,000 of residual, where I was making $6,000 a month, outsourcing everything overseas and doing absolutely nothing to collect that money. Literally, I would send two emails a month and I was making $6,000 a month. That's it. And so ultimately, it brought me back to where I was sitting on good money from my alarm company, sitting on good money from my SEO company, and Daryl and I decided to sell off our alarm company. And so there I was trying to figure out, what do I do next? The problem was, is I was working for money. I wasn't working for greatness. I wasn't working for success. I wasn't working to become the best version of myself. I wasn't working to become a producer. I was solely working for money. And anybody knows anything about money, money only motivates so far. Money is what we call a hygiene factor in the fact that air is like hygiene. Once you have enough air, you no longer think about it. It no longer motivates you. When you don't have money or you don't have oxygen, it's the only thing you can think about. And you think, oh crap, how can I get that money? How can I get that air? And then you make enough money where your bills are paid and it no longer motivates. You're no longer motivated to breathe. You're no longer motivated to get money. And so you have to have a bigger purpose, a bigger power. And at this moment in my life, I didn't have that bigger purpose. I didn't have that bigger power that was driving me. And so my brother, he came to me that winter and said, Chris, why don't you get back into the door-to-door industry? And I was like, dude, I'm good. I own my own company. I'm doing really well. There's really no reason for me to do it. He said, just give it one more shot. Come prove that you're the greatest. And at this point in my life, I was struggling with two things. One, my brother, he needed an example in his life, and I wanted to strive to be that example for him. And two, I wanted to be able to go and prove to myself that I could be the top of the industry, not only at a small company, but at a very large company. 
And so those were really my two really motivating factors of getting back into the door-to-door industry. And so I decided to do that. And so that summer, going into it, I set some big lofty goals, what we call BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. I think that comes from the book, Good to Great. And my big, my BHAG was 250 accounts. But more importantly, I had my eyes on a big incentive, a big competition that they were doing with a Range Rover. And I'll have to get into that story at a little later, but you know, one thing led to another. I ended up winning the Range Rover, ended up having a very successful summer, was very successful once again in the alarm industry. I rose to the top at, at uh, various organizations, a company called Vivint. One summer, I was number three out of 3,000 sales reps. And so I'd been able to accomplish a lot. But during that time, I consulted for other businesses. I was actually able to help a internet startup, a, a company that, that sold product online. I was able to consult and help them grow from $1,200 a month to where they're now making multi, multi, multi-million dollars a year. A lot of these different experiences led to different things. And I've been in the solar industry for the last four years. And I decided to launch another solar company six months ago. Once we made that decision, we decided we launched in Washington State. This was November of 2017. We said, okay, we're, we're going to launch. But what we're going to do is take the experience that we've had from working with these different organizations. And for the previous two years before I launched my company, I had worked as a vice president for the third largest solar company in the nation. And when I had gotten on with them two years prior, they were basically a startup company. They didn't have any installs at the time. And so I was able to see how to build up from zero to a several hundred million dollar company in a matter of two years. And these are the different hacks that we've been applying with our organization when we launched it five months ago in November. And so these are some of the hacks that we want to share with you. This is what it's like to be a biz hacker. We know that you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, someone that wants to be a small business owner. We have the hacks that are going to help you go and be successful. We've been able in five months, like I said, to build up our company from $500,000 a month to now $3 million a month. And the way that we've been able to do that is through marketing Facebook marketing, different sales funnels, different hacks, being able to bring on the right talent, leverage ourselves in in the right way. And these are some of the things that we want to share with you. And we'd invite you to join the journey. If you're not a part of our Facebook community, please join us. It's where all biz hackers unite. It's a free group on Facebook. Just go ahead and search us at bizhacker. That's B-I-Z-H-A-C-K-E-R. We would love to have you be a part of the community and be a part of the group. Welcome to the Biz Hacker Show. Thanks again for joining us on the Biz Hacker Show. If you're not subscribed, be sure to do so now. For more great tips and biz hacks, visit us at bizhackertools.com. That's bizhackertools.com. Until next time.